Can Democrats ever get their act together and figure out how to really run campaigns? Well, let's find out. We're going to talk to a person who's trying to help them do that. Amani Wells uh, Anyoha is the operations director for Soul Strategies. Um, Amani, welcome to TYT. Thank you all so much for having me. I'm really, really excited to be here. All right, that's wonderful. Uh, so uh, first, before we get to what you guys do, uh, tell because a lot of people I don't think know how uh, politicians run campaigns, period, let alone Democrats, let alone progressives. So how does a normal campaign work? What, what are, how do, you know, people always hear about campaign consultants. Who are they and what do they do? So that's a great question. So firstly, we try to we do not like to refer to ourselves as consultants because when you're working in campaigning, you will have a lot of people who come aboard to campaigns. They find out somebody is running. They slide in their DMs or send them emails like, hey, I worked on Reagan's race in 1974. I know a lot about campaigning. Um, will you let me work on your race? Um, and a lot of times those people will come in and just start telling them to do a bunch of random things. They'll ask for some big fat check and then do none of those things. And then they end up kind of butt hurt and there's really nothing they can do. Like they really need the help. So um, that's kind of the structure of it. But a lot of the times there's more important things that you need to be doing, like your ground game needs to be in place and you need to be doing fundraising. You need to be calling voters and donors in your district and familiarizing yourselves with them and letting them get to know you and know who you are. Um, you need to be doing social media. You need to be sending out emails. And the most important thing is you need to be active in your community. People need to already know you. You need to have a reputation there. And if you don't, you need to get on that ASAP before the election comes. So, Imani, help us understand the difference between you guys and traditional Democratic consultants. So give me a sense of what they do and what you guys do. Yes. So what we do is the actual hands-on campaign labor. So we give strategic advice along the way, but that's not the selling point. The main thing that we're doing is executing this work that needs to be done on these campaigns. So instead of coming in and being like, oh, you should knock doors in your district or, oh, you should post this messaging online or you should carry yourselves this way or that way. We're the ones that are literally on the ground in the district knocking those doors. We're the ones creating the social media posts and posting them and writing the emails and cleaning up their list and growing their audiences. Um, we're the ones on the phone with the campaign and with the candidate doing call time with them via Zoom for hours a day. So I think that's the primary difference is we're the ones actually executing it like a surrogate staffer would per se. Interesting. And these days, the folks helping on campaigns are starting to split into uh, groups, you know, the more uh, establishment Democrat groups and the more progressive groups. So where do you all fit in? Um, definitely with the more progressive groups. We don't work on Republican campaigns at all. Um, and whenever we're in races, we try to find the most progressive candidate in the race. Um, a lot of the people that we work with in the past are first time campaigners. Like they've never ran a race. They come from low income jobs or this is their first time kind of getting their foot in the door. So we kind of want to come in and guide them and give them that help in a way that they can afford in a way that they won't get from the establishment. So, Amani, uh, let's talk about what people do wrong and right on campaigns. And there's different kinds of people. So first, let me ask, um, what's the most common mistake that rookie campaigners make, regardless of their politics? Yes, um, I would say hiring a consultant without 
understanding what it is that they are going to tangibly do for your campaign. A lot of the money that people get while they're running could be better used for a field, in our opinion. We ultimately want people to raise enough money to be able to go door to door and talk to people. Um, so a big mistake we see is that a campaign raises that initial money. They got $50,000 and instead of getting something tangible for it, they hand it off to a consultant. That consultant makes these promises and then nothing happens. Um, and that's a lot of the times where we end up finding these people. We'll meet them, you know, midway through the campaign and we'll hear their stories and they're like, yeah, I have spent all of my money and I cannot tell you what I did with it. So I think that's the number one mistake is just make sure you know what you're getting and how it's going to help the campaign. Yeah, um, well, I know what they did with it. They gave it to the consultant. Uh, so I've actually talked to tons of candidates in my life. And uh, to say that they're universally unhappy with consultants is an understatement. Um, so they get you to try to raise as much money as possible and then spend as much of it as uh, possible in media so they can take their 15% cut. And that's how that game is played. Um, so, and and then people go are always wondering, I don't, they, everybody told me I had to get one, but I don't know what just happened. I know I, know I lost and I know I don't have the money anymore. Um, so that's usually how it goes. Now, how is your approach different? Like, so um, do you guys get, 15%, what do you do that makes people feel like, oh, okay, I, I'm getting my money's worth, I get it, good grassroots folks are donating to me, we're using sole strategies, and what happens? Yeah, that's a great question. So what we do is we're very transparent with what it is you receive. For instance, um, our stuff is like on a almost a subscription base. So it's month to month. We don't lock anybody in. You don't have to keep us for the duration of the entire campaign. And you don't have to do all campaign activities with us. Um, so for instance, if they're like, I want four emails, four donation emails and a newsletter going out every week, and I want it sent out to my audience, then they pay for exactly that. If they are saying, I want to knock 10,000 doors in my district um, and I want to do a deep canvas, a more persuasive effort that's going to go over the course of a month where I hit X amount of doors a day in this um, turf versus this turf, then they'll pay for that specific project. Okay, well, that actually makes a ton more sense. And uh, and then let's talk about the, the substance. Uh, in your uh, estimation, how do you, let, let me ask it this way. What's a mistake that you see Democratic candidates doing in the substance of their um, campaigns that you would you would counsel them to do differently? That's, that's a really good question. Um, I would say not knowing how your specific seat that you're running for helps the people in your district. So a lot of times we'll see people running for a more statewide race or a city council race, and they want to make their platform surrounding uh, Medicare for all or something, which is an amazing thing that we want to be done on a federal level, but you're running for city council. So what can you do for the people in your district to help them with their health care um, in a way that you can actually affect change? So when they feel like they're voting for you, it's an exchange. It's not a, a bigger idea that may not impact their lives. Okay, so that, that again makes a lot of sense. Uh, so I, I often talk about get as close to the voter as you can, um, know what they care about. So that's why wages is is a great way to do that because you know how much you make is as close to your self interest as you could possibly imagine. 
and and it aligns with progressive values. We want you to make more money. We want you to have health care, et cetera. But if you're running for a local seat, uh, yeah, you're not going to get to vote on Medicare for all. So, I mean, God bless. You can put it on your website and stuff, but make sure you're telling people how you're going to help them with health care in their own lives. That makes a ton of sense. So um, in terms of uh, now, let's go super broad. In terms of, let's say, the 22 campaign, how do you think Democrats are doing overall uh, on, on a big picture level in running their campaigns now? At first, if you had asked me this two or three weeks ago, I would have said it's curtains for us. <laughs> Hang it up. Flat screen is over. Um, but we are seeing a shift. Sorry. We're seeing a shift in this um, recently because the abortion language has gotten so destructive for Republicans. They're seeing it come back and bite them in the butt completely. And so they're kind of changing their language around and they're backing away from those issues. So them being so trash has helped us. Um, with the voters because it's made people really face who they are um, and face their morality in a way that we haven't seen in a long time. Like, it's a hard thing to be able to say you can look at a 10-year-old girl who has been molested or raped by a family member and tell that 10-year-old to carry a child. That makes you really look at yourself internally and determine what type of person you are. And that has been helpful for us now. So I think we're going to do better um, if the Democrats can come up with stronger language language, then just we're better than them, we'll have a better shot. Well, that's exactly where I was going to go and ask. Uh, do you think Democrats are being aggressive enough in these campaigns? No, I, I don't think they are. Um, we've gone to some of the conventions and things like that. And we've heard the party speak and put their platform forward. And a lot of their platform is just, we are not them. Um, and I don't think that's going to move people the way that they want it to. We are hurting as a country. Um, people are having their individual rights trampled on each and every day. Right here in Texas, they the Republicans put forth a bill that they were going to repeal the Voting X right of 1964. So this is like very, very personal and big things that can totally change people's lives and change the trajectory of this country for decades to come. So we need the Democrats to speak with that conviction and feel it and let the voters feel it. And I think we'll see better results once they do that. Yeah. First of all, just let me just acknowledge, of course, you're right. Right. So the Republicans basically come in and say, we're going to break your arm. And the Democrats are on the campaign saying, we're not going to break your arm. Okay, well, I appreciate it, but I'm not sure that's the best message. It's kind of a low bar. Um, so what do you think is an issue that the Democrats have where they could flip it around and, and have positive framing? So if you vote for us, this is what you're going to get. I think we're heading in the right direction with some of the things as far as forgiving student loan debt, if we can make some more of those bigger things that feel more, I hate to use the word transactional, but make people feel like their vote is actually going somewhere, then we may have a shot. Maybe doing something on healthcare, maybe doing something on education, um, funding some of these um, districts that have been alienated and forgot about, just something big and tangible. I think the voters would like to see that. I agree. All right. Look at this. Amani Wells, uh, Anyoha, uh, Operations Director of Soul Strategies. It looks like we got folks who might be able to help uh, people campaigning. So that's wonderful. Amani, thank you for joining us. We appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really happy to be here. No problem. Is the new CNN headed in the right direction? Interesting. 
I don't think so, but our next guest might think so. So let's have an interesting conversation about it. Colby Hall, old friend, founding editor of Mediate, uh, joins us now. He wrote a piece about it. Now, no, Colby, normally I agree with you a lot. Uh, uh, not this one. So I think we're going to have an interesting conversation. So uh, Chris Licht is the new head of CNN, and uh, he got rid of Brian Stelter and Tubin and Harwood uh, and many, maybe many more to come. We don't know yet. So t- tell me why you think you might be headed in the right direction. Well, I mean, I, the, I think the story that piqued your interest, which was really well written, uh, was, was not necessarily about linked in the right or wrong direction. It was specifically about Stelter's ouster, right? And it was, a, it was really about how Chris Licht, it was the first thing that he had done under the new CNN that I thought revealed his strategy and that was getting away from the navel gazy kind of media analysis that Brian was really good at. I'm a friend of Brian's. I think Brian did a really good job. But I think what he was trying to do with that move is get away from this like news about news dialogue, uh, which is a really interesting sort of philosophical dynamic. And I, I think that that was an interesting play. I think I think you know, when you talk about, you know, sort of media analysis, it's, it's, it's a tricky thing because Brian was occasionally a little bit of a smug sort of, we know better than you. And it kind of undermined, undermined the, the, the trust that viewers had. And instead, I think the goal is for him to get more on policy and less on personality. Now, I think John Harwood is a great reporter and his ouster is, is a sad loss. Um, I'm not necessarily suggesting that what Licht is doing is a good or bad thing. I was basically reporting on it's a thing. Um, so that's my take. Yeah, I got you. So let's talk about Stelter. So, uh, and I have an interesting history with Stelter too. I know him and we've had agreements, we've had disagreements, right? Uh, and I and I think that uh, he is smug, to be honest. Um, okay, and I'm honest about it. And uh, and that's not going to overly surprise him, but but he's smug in both directions, right? So he is with the right wing, but he is also with the left wing, uh, and and that's like the the thing that's never acknowledged in cable news, uh, Colby. That they it's not that they are left wing and they don't like the right. No, they're insiders. They don't like outsiders. So whether it's Trump or it's Bernie, it's uh, MAGA or it's progressives, they're going to be smug either way. So and and I'm not at all convinced that if you get rid of Stelter, you get rid of the smugness. I think they're going to have the same exact smugness, but just lean further to the right. It's a fair critique. I, I think that you're, I mean, it's, it's, it's too soon to say. I think the point that I was trying to make is that, um, you know, I don't have to get too philosophical, but this sort of like obsession with navel gazing, like honestly, like to take a step back, the, the intersection, like, Media and politics work together so hand in glove. And I know that you and I agree with this, you know, and, 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 and I think what he's trying to do is to get back to news and less of like, let's stare in each other's navels. And, and it's a tricky thing because Fox News, I believe, is a pernicious outlet that needs to be held accountable. That said, CNN is in the business of covering the news, how do you cover your competitor when they're in the news? It was a point that I made in my column. It's like, 
if you're constantly talking about the crazy stuff that's going on in Fox News, you're ostensibly parading, or rather you're advertising like, oh, if there's crazy stuff on Fox News, I'm going to tune in to watch that. So, um, you know, again, I think what Chris Licht is trying to do is to get away from the media talking about the media and talk more about the issues. Will he be able to do that? I think it's a really tough call. I think it's, I think he wants to have Republicans on his airwaves, not necessarily to promote them, but to, you know, discuss the issues and sort of perhaps confront why they may be wrong. I don't know if that's a tilting to the right, but it's rather sort of fostering a discussion about what's right or wrong. And by the way, when I say Republicans, I don't mean the, like the Fox News MAGA Republicans, like the John Kennedy or, or, or Ted Cruz's who are on all the time, but I, there are reasonable Republicans that are willing to engage in a conversation. And I think that there, there's a, like, I think there are reasonable Republicans out there that can engage in conversation. That conversation is probably, if it's possible, is good for the body politic. That's my point. Yeah, I, I don't think so. So let's dive <laughs> into that. I, I don't. I think there's almost no reasonable Republicans, and that when they find a couple that are not extreme, they're accidentally helping Republicans normalize their party, and it is not at all representative. So I could just show that to you in the polling. So I mean. I'll give you two recent polls. I can give you a thousand of them, but 61% of Republican voters say that uh, they want Donald Trump to run, even if he's indicted. And Look, so, dude, six, we, we did a post on that in media. Like I, like I'm not no lie, no lie detected. I agree with that. But isn't sunlight the best disinfectant? Isn't it best to sort of like? So we live in such a polarized media landscape. That like isn't it? Do you want to just pretend that we can't have a dialogue, or do you want to like call people out on their BS? I I'm no, pro- they're not going to do that. Come on, you. Well, so so, that's, so, that's, do that so that's the issue. So that that is that therein lies the issue. Is you're saying like that will never happen? Maybe you're right. Probably you're right. But isn't it admirable to like try? Isn't it? Is, no. you, you you oh so you oh, come on, dude. Like you really think that like these people aren't necessarily like. And I'm not talking about, again, the Josh Hawley's. There are like bad, evil D-bags out there. And I'm not supporting them at all. But I think the idea is that like from a business perspective, CNN needs to try to kind of curry a moderate Republican favor to the degree that it exists. And if it doesn't exist, well, at least they will have tried and failed. And then they can make that point. That, that, that's yeah. the sort of complicated idea that I was trying to get to. I got you, Colby. Let me tell you, talk about the downside of that. First of all, uh, there's different ways of doing it. So I, I've had David Duke on the show, and I called him an anti-Semite, a bigot, a racist, etc. cetera. Uh, you challenge people, no problem. Have them on all day long. I had Curtis Yarwin on the show the other day. He is a, a quote-unquote right-wing philosopher that uh, J.D. Vance, Blake Masters, Bannon, uh, Carlson are all quoting. He's for a monarchy. That, and I said, well, isn't that a dictatorship? And uh, and we had a real conversation about whether he's in favor of dictators. And it turns out he kind of is. You can watch that conversation. So uh, so if you do it that way, then great. I have no, I'm not one of these guys, oh, don't platform them, right? But uh, Chris Lick has uh, taken over, and you know, it's been a couple of months. I haven't seen them challenge one Republican. Um, and it seems like they're not trying to have them on to challenge them. They're having them on to kiss their ass. And so then... And that's not at all interesting. Uh, and and they're making it seem like, well, okay, 
I don't like the corporate Republicans anyway. I mean, I might dislike them more than I dislike Trump. But but okay, let's say the corporate Republican is at least doesn't want to destroy democracy. Good. Score one for the corporate Republican. Okay. Uh, so, but if you have them on and put it at them in the most positive light and say this is what the Republican Party is, when you know that literally two-thirds, 66% say no, we think Trump won the election, Biden lost it, Biden stole the election, he's been lying about it ever since, he did it with the ghost of Hugo Chavez, then you're giving a misleading impression to your audience that the guy you have on represents the Republican Party, when in reality, two-thirds of the Republican Party is absolutely insane. Jack, I hear you. I think your argument is uh, well-founded. I would push back and say that there is a distinction between 61% of Republicans polled and the sort of Republican thought leaders that are in office, right? So, uh, and I think this gets to a, sort of a, another point, and that is to say, I think there's clearly hypocrisy within elected, uh, what you would call corporate Republicans. You think they're full of crap, and I would, I, I can't, again, no cap. I, I can't disagree with you. Uh, and I think what you've seen a ton of reporting is privately these people are like, I don't know what's going on. It's just politics. We're just going with the flow, which is awful, which is crazy. So I agree with you in theory. That said, you know, why give these dudes a pass? If they are saying privately that they think Trump is is evil and bad for democracy and, and is, you know, the, literally a threat, a legitimate threat to democracy, then 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 why not challenge those private thoughts that they share on TV and then put them there? That's why many of them won't even go on air because they are being held accountable. And so I, I think there's something laudable about that. Is it foolish? Is it tilting at windmills? Yeah, probably. Uh, I, are, we, are, you, are they platforming them? But I think, I think the point of my column, just to wrap up, is to getting away from the personality and getting more to the policy and the issues. And there are... Republican, not every Republican that's in Senate or Congress is 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 Ted Cruz and John Kennedy. And those people, those are the guys that need to be held to account and their feet need to be held. And, and I think that's what he's trying to do to explore the truth. Will it fail? Maybe. I don't know. But no. the buyer column was like, maybe, maybe, maybe it's, it's an admirable goal. Yeah, no, no, it's it'll definitely fail, but uh, not because he's trying to do something admirable. Um so, Colby, in the time that we have, real quick, look, let's just go down a list here and see if he let, – let's get a, us on the record in a fun way on whether CNN will do this. So, for example, you know that there are, there's two wings of each party, right? There's the establishment Democrats and the progressives, the establishment Republicans and MAGA, right? Um, I've never seen CNN even acknowledge that. Uh, so – and I've never, ever, ever, ever seen them call out establishment Republicans or Democrats. So do you think under Chris Lick that they're going to do that? Because that would be shocking, and I would be definitely in favor of that. I, I disagree. I think, I think this new tone that we've heard from Biden has forced that issue. I think we've seen that when this new sort of, you know, dark Brandon version that's calling out MAGA Republicans, CNN has basically had to cover that and say, like, yes, they're the two. And honestly, it's painted Fox into a corner to try to figure out whether or not are they MAGA Republicans or are they establishment Republicans? And it's put Biden, a moderate Republican, uh, his opponents on their back heels. I think so far that's been somewhat effective. So, you know, yeah. I'm not, dis well, not, not to disagree that you would probably be happy with. 
No, no. Within the uh, Republican circles, yes. Within Democratic circles, almost never. And they and they don't call the establishment or corporate politicians on either side those terms. They call them moderate, centrist, as if they're lovely, as if they're the ones that are clearly correct. That is not remotely objective. So, that is- so on, on this issue, on this issue, we can entirely agree, agree that there is an institution of both Democrats. It's something that you and I have talked about a lot, and we both are on the same page. There's institutional party members on both Republicans and Democrats who benefit from the, the current system and graft. And yes, CNN is part of that institution because they are a big institution. Is that good for America? TBD, I would say no. So to your point, I will cede you that point. But uh, yeah, no, the, I, I would say that the difference between corporate Democrats and corporate Republicans isn't that significant. They're more, they're cut from the same cloth. 100%. And look, I'll predict here, they're not going to talk about policy. So next time there's a primary and we say uh, Joe Biden uh, tried to cut Social Security six times earlier in his career, CNN's going to say, shh, shh, don't talk about that. They did it last time, they'll do it this time. They'll always support the corporate uh, politician, whether it's a Republican or Democrat. But I want to ask you one last thing. So that's me. That's what, that's what I think. Um, but uh, progressives, um, there are almost none on CNN. Uh, I don't mean as anchors. I mean at all. Pundits, commentators, guests. Uh, so there's all this big hubbub of, oh, CNN is going to be so objective now. We're going to cover politics fairly. That's why we'll have a lot more right-wingers on. Well, how about the at minimum a quarter of the country that voted for Bernie Sanders in 2016 and 2020 uh, that never gets represented on CNN? Has anyone even asked Chris Licht, are you going to have progressives on? Or is it just assumed, no, we hate you guys. We're a corporate institution. And all we're going to do point. is- It's a good point. It's a great point. Um, I, I, I'm not, I don't want to be a Chris Licht, you know, sort of apologist because I, I don't, like, I, I know the guy. He's, he's a nice dude. I think he's in over his head in a good way. I think anyone would be in that position. I think he's trying to take CNN from the personality-driven Zucker world. Uh, I think he, what I wrote in my article was that he basically, he's defining CNN so far as by what it's not. So he's like, he's, he's like pruning the hedges. Is there a, a fair critique that, that he's not showing? Like, it's not just progressives that it's not on the air. Like, I, you know, I'm from Kansas. There's a lack of coverage of what's going on in real middle America in a way that really has allowed Trump to, you know, sort of like power of like sort of, you know, working class, you know, poor people that would really benefit from a socialist movement, right? So yes, Lit has in fact uh, uh, so far ignored that. It's early, he's four or five months in. Uh, if you're arguing that there need to be more progressive voices on CNN, absolutely. I think we can judge him in the next five months on how that develops. Will he? Probably not, because he's no. a, I mean, you're, you're right to be skeptical, but, you know, he, he hasn't really, we haven't seen the new version yet of CNN. Will it be more progressive? No. Will it, should it have progressive voices? Absolutely. I, I think it should, because that's, to your point, part of the dialogue. That's part of the conversation. And uh, hopefully on that we can agree. Yeah, other than when Ted Turner was running it, CNN has always been and always will be the corporate news network. That's what it's they sell soap. They sell soap. Their job, their job is not to report the news. Their job is to earn profits. And it's a real Thank problem you. of where, like, does is does does journalism 
And can journalism exist as a business model in today's, I would argue, no, it, it isn't journalism. CNN, Fox News, and MSNBC, they all are all entertainment packaged as news. And therein lies the much deeper problem, right? So we think we're getting the news. It's all propaganda, right? Yeah, no, you're right. That is a much larger problem. And that's for a larger conversation on another day. Everybody check out Colby Hall on Mediate. He does uh, really thought-provoking, interesting articles there. Uh, Thanks, Colby, man. thank you for joining us. We Thanks, really bro. It's, 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 I'm delighted to be here, and it's, it's good to see your face again. And next time in New York, let's, uh, let's have a, a libation. Sounds good to me. I'm in favor of that. We All agree. Right, got- <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. All right. Take care. Thanks.